Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. I'm glad that you're here. Good Sunday to show up. We're starting a new series, What Makes You Happy. And that means we'll talk about this topic for three or four or five weeks. And um, <clears throat> all these will be on our website, the audio anyway. So if you want to listen to it again or let somebody else listen to it or if you miss one. By the way, this is a great series to invite even unchurched people. Uh, as we always say, the principles work even if you're not a Jesus follower. They just seem to work better or do work better if you are. So let's jump right in. Uh, I think this is a topic that everybody is interested in. <laughs> so let me start by making it a question. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Because we all keep trying to be happy, right? I think <laughs> we're trying to be happy. So we keep trying. So if we keep trying, we must not have figured it all out yet or accomplished it all yet. Yet. So I'm going to make you a promise. Um, it may seem a little strange, but I'm going to make you a promise that during this series, I'm going to teach you how to be happy. Now, I can't make you happy, but I can teach you how to be happy. Now, how can I make a promise like that? Well, people make promises to you all the time like that, and these are people you don't even know. Every time you open a magazine, turn on the TV, uh, listen to the radio, uh, turn, get on the internet, uh, companies are paying a lot of money for somebody to tell you how to be happy, aren't they? We call them advertisers. And <clears throat> you don't even know them. And they're making all kinds of promises to you how to be happy. And we've all fallen to it hundreds and hundreds of times, haven't we? And we've spent time and we've spent money and we've lost time and we lost money and uh, not found too much happiness, have we? Driving this car, buy, wearing these clothes, or doing this, or going there, right? And some of us may have been happy once, and now we've forgotten, for a better word, forgotten how to be happy. We used to be, and we just can't figure it out anymore. Now let me ask you, is culture teaching you how to be happy? Now advertisers are trying to sell you stuff to make you happy, but is culture really teaching you how to be happy? Where do you go? Just not out there, right? They're trying to sell you short-term happiness, but there's not a lot of people telling you how to be happy. So here we're going to kind of start off with the bottom line. Here it is. Happiness is more about a who than a what. It's more about a who than a what. Now we learned this really young, you know, playing in the backyard. Now, we grew up pretty poor and we didn't have a lot of toys, so, you know, a stick was a gun, whatever. Didn't really didn't matter as long as my buddies were around, right? The guys I wanted to hang out with, the friends. And um, if somebody in the neighborhood I didn't care for so much, it wasn't so much fun. I wasn't so happy, especially if he was a bully type. Then you go to elementary school and the same thing happens. You go out on the playground and you're happy if you can kind of hang out with the guys or folks that you, you connect with, that you like. Then you get to middle school, it's even more important, isn't it? Because middle school is a little uh, difficult because you don't kind of try to figure things out. And so, you know, if you've got, you got your group of friends and you can hang out with them, it makes it a little bit easier, it makes it a little better, it's a little, you're a little happier. Then you get to high school, it's really important too because you're in those, you know, these teen years and you want to be friends with the right people. Uh, I was fortunate, uh, some of my friends were on the basketball team and 
our basketball team was really good. We went to the state finals in my um, junior year, and uh, we got crushed by another school in that last game. But we went to the state finals, and I went down the, to College Park and, and watched the game, and, and so I could talk to these guys about it. And then we had our, my high school was named Andover High School, and we had a Miss Andover, and she was like the most popular girl in the school, and she was a friend of mine too. She happened to be in a lot of my classes, and, um, and so uh, that's what makes, that makes, that makes life good. It makes life happy, even especially in those difficult school years. <clears throat> and so... It's more important who you're hanging out with than <laughs> what you're doing. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, whose house did you go, everybody hang out with? Now, in our, in our neighborhood, everybody hang out, hung out at our house. And like I said, we were probably the poorest people in the neighborhood. And we didn't have a lot of stuff, but we had people. I had a brother and a sister a year and, and two years younger than me. And uh, my mom was always hospitable. And so, you know... This family had one kid, and this family had one kid, so everybody hung out at our house. And um, maybe your parents tried to make it to hang out. I don't know. And maybe you had, uh, they had special stuff, but the kids didn't come to your house because it was more about who than what, right? So we learned this young. Another way to say it, kind of way that you might remember it, happiness is always associated with a who or two, Right? Happiness is always associated with a who or two. Think about it this way. If it's about a what and you wanted to be happy, you go out and get the what and you'd be happy, right? That'd be pretty simple. It'd be pretty easy. And everybody'd be happy. But it's not about a what, it's more about a who. In fact, happy what always leads to happy what else, doesn't it? Now think about this. Most of us have iPhones or some cell phone. I have one. And when you get that phone, it, you're all excited about it. It makes you happy. It's got all these new bells and whistles that your last phone didn't have. Now think about it, though. When you got that last phone, you were just as happy as you are about your new phone. But does it make you happy anymore, does it? In fact, here's the truth I'll share with you. If age defleets your happiness, you really weren't happy. If that's with a phone or with this clothes or if it's a car even. You get a nice new car, it makes you pretty happy. But if, when it's 10 years old and all banged up and not running very good, not so happy anymore, are you? So happy what leads to happy what else? Another thing I learned this week, or last couple of weeks, a term I never heard before called Global X Syndrome. I hear what it means. <clears throat> How many of you traveled over to see a third world country? Cheryl has. Anybody else? couple people. All right. It's fascinating, isn't it? People that have almost nothing seem to be happier than Americans. In fact, I'll put it on the screen. How can they be? We think this way. How can they be so happy and they don't have anything? Uh, we're going to be doing um, Operation Christmas Child where we put those shoe boxes together and send gifts to kids in third world countries. And we show videos of them. And they have the biggest smiles on their face and they have almost nothing. Why is it? Because happiness isn't about what, it's about who. Now, you parents, think about it this way. <clears throat> or us grandparents. You are no happier than your un most unhappy child. Now, we've got, we've got four kids. 
<clears throat> and if three of them are really doing well and one's not, we're not happy. Because they're not happy, right? We all experience this. In fact, most of you know, a couple of years ago, or well, it's three or three and a half years ago now, our daughter-in-law got sick. And so we weren't very happy for a long time because our, hap- our son wasn't happy. He was grieving. We were all grieving, right? So you're only as happy as your most unhappy kid. Guys, husbands, you're only as happy as your wife is happy or unhappy, right? Happy wife, happy life. I asked in the first service, does it work the other way? Does it work the other ways, ladies? No. I don't know why, but it doesn't, guys. <laughs> I don't know what that teaches us, but that's the truth. <clears throat> happy wife, happy life. Why is that? Because more about what than uh, who than what. <clears throat> and I know some of you experienced this, uh, dealing with infertility. If you want to have a child and you can't have a child, are you happy? You want to have a who to love and you, and you can't. Even those of us that had kids, think back before you had kids. This is back like 1977 for me, my wife. And we wanted to have children. We just got married and we eventually wanted to have children. And uh, but we had no children to love at that point. It's kind of strange to think now, <laughs> all these years later. So fulfillment doesn't come from a what. It only comes from a who. Think about it this way. In the end, you will have relational, not possessional regrets. Think about this. You're in the hospital bed in your last, last couple days of your life. Ladies, are you going to say to your husband, go get my shoe collection and bring it to me. I want to spend some time with it before I die. Or guys, you're going to say, oh, go get my gun collection or stamp collection or ball card collection or whatever you guys collect. All right? Or even my car. Take, wheel me out in the parking lot. I want to spend some time in my car before I die. The old adage is nobody ever regrets not spending more time at work. We might regret not spending more time with our kids, though, right? So in the end, <laughs> you're not going to have possessional regrets. You may have relational regrets. There are people you're going to want to make peace with, maybe. Right? Hopefully you do that sooner than later. But you may. Now, as those of you who have been here for a while know I try and address pushbacks as I go through because when I sit there and listen to somebody, I always have my pushbacks. So here's a, here, here's a pushback that I anticipated from somebody or some of you. I don't need anyone in order to be happy. Now, there's basically two groups of people that say that. Now, there's one group is like my wife. Most of you know my wife. She never met a stranger, right? <laughs> she never met a stranger. She's always been around people, always can connect with people really easily. So it's easy for people like that to say, I don't need anybody to be happy because they always have people. It's kind of like most of us saying, well, I don't need food to be happy. Because we always have food. We got more food than we need. The other group of people, though, are the people that can't seem to connect relationally, not do well in relationships. I don't know how many of you remember this, because most of you aren't as old as me, but back in the 60s, there was a song called I Am a Rock by Simon and Garfunkel. 
and uh, look it up. It's got some interesting words. But anyway, um, it's about somebody who gotten hurt in a relationship. And so he said, I'm a rock, I'm an island, I don't need anybody, I don't need relationships. And the last two lines of the song are, a rock feels no pain, an island never cries. But we're not rocks, and we're not islands, are we? <clears throat> Sometimes it boils down to this. When we can't get what we want, we tell ourselves we don't really want it, right? If we can't afford it, we don't have the access to it, you know. I can't afford to make a trip around the world, so I don't really want to go take a trip around the world, or whatever it might be. You know, I'm, I don't really want that car because I can't afford that car. <clears throat> well, same thing with relationships. You know, I, and I don't have a significant other, so I really don't want it. I don't need another significant other. Well, um, relationally, that is very unhealthy and possibly a dangerous place to be. So, let's get back to our question. What makes you happy? And here's the answer. No thing makes you happy. Now, through this series, when I ask the question, what makes you happy, I want you to respond, no thing. So, ready? What makes you happy? What makes you happy? No thing. All right. Pay attention. It's going to come up again later. All right, so here's the interesting thing. There is one thing that happy people have, but it's really not a thing thing, all right? <laughs> Let me explain. Happy people are at peace. They have peace, right? Think about the happy people you know. They have peace. Now, we're going to talk about peace, three categories of peace, all right? So happy people are at peace first with themselves, with themselves. They're comfortable in their own skin. They're okay with the way they look. They're okay uh, with the, their station in life. They're okay with the friends they have. They're okay uh, with stuff they have, their job they have, etc. They don't seem to worry about much. In fact, if you know people like this, you tend to worry for them, don't you? It's like, don't you have a clue? You shouldn't be this peaceful. You shouldn't be this happy. You know, this is going on in your life, etc. So the Happy people are at peace with themselves. Secondly, happy people are at peace with others, mostly, in general. They're not bitter, they're not resentful, they're not, they're not angry, they're not trying to get even, uh, they're not being unforgiving toward other people. In fact, again, if you see these people, you might think, you know, somebody may have mistreated them, somebody may have abused them, and you're thinking, you shouldn't be okay with that. And they say, no, 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 it's okay. They're at peace with others. Now, I can't say it equivocally, I can't say that word, but most people that are happy are also at peace with God. At peace with God. They believe there's more to life. There's got to be more than this, right? Uh, and consequently, you can be uh, fulfilled because there's a purpose and a meaning and a reason for, for, for life and what you're doing and, and so forth. So, think about this way. Whatever undermines your peace undermines your happiness, right? So, we're going to talk about pleasure one of these weeks. But if something that brings you pleasure causes conflict in your relationship, 
it disrupts the peace of your relationship, then it undermines your happiness, right? We don't usually think about it that way, but that's, that's a good way to think about it. Think about your regrets. All have regrets, right? And it's usually seeking happiness in the wrong places. And then it brought lack of peace. It brought conflict with the who's in our life. So, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Again, I think these principles will be helpful to you if you're not. But we, the Jesus followers, uh, we've discovered that peace with God paves the way with peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. In fact, most of the Bible, most of the New Testament, most of what Jesus said was about making peace with God and making peace with other people. (laughs) It just was. So we're going to look at one time that uh, somebody came to Jesus he was actually a lawyer, and uh, so he knew about laws and, and so forth. He was a Jewish lawyer, and they had over 600 commandments, for another word. And so he honestly wanted to know, okay, there's a lot of them. What's more important, or what actually is the most important? So what's one do I need to pay attention to more than any other? Now, lots of people ask Jesus questions. Most of the time, they were silly questions. Often, they were trying to trick him. Often, he didn't answer. This time, this guy was serious, and Jesus gave him the answer. And he quoted his Bible, which was the Old Testament. So we're going to read it out of Matthew chapter 22. Oh, here it is. Teacher, oops. <laughs> Teacher, which is the most important commandment, law, or rule in the law of Moses. Now most of the time when we think of laws or rules or commandments, we think of, don't think of happiness, do we? Just think the opposite. Rules don't make us happy. Commandments don't make us happy. Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law? Jesus answers him. He says, you must love. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. I asked you what is the most important commandment, rule. You know, do or don't. Um, love is not a commandment word, is it? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Well, well, love is a relational word. It's not a commandment. It's not a rule. It's not a law. So what's he saying? He's saying most important is to make peace with God. All right? And we're not going to have time to talk about it, but we're all in conflict with God until we settle the issue and and come to peace with God. But then Jesus always has a twist, and his twist is, well, there's really not one, there's two, or there's like one and one A. All right, they're connected, you can't separate them, they go together. And so he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, a second is equal important, so, you know, they're right there together, Uh, You have to think about them together. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we got love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Three areas that happy people are at peace with, right? So let me ask you a simple question. Does God want you to be happy? What do you think? Obviously he does. But when you think of church and you think of being really religious, what do you think? Not happy, right? I don't know about the church you grew up in, but somehow along the way, us preacher types 
<laughs> must have communicated the fact that you can either follow Jesus or you can be happy, but you can't do both, right? But no, no, no. God says, I want you to be happy and following me is the best way to be happy. And of course, we'll talk about that through this series. So let me put it on the screen. God is in the way of our happiness is, is, is the way many of us think. In fact, some of you may have left church, may have left following Jesus because you want to do this because you thought it would make you happy, but as a good Jesus follower, you couldn't do that. And so you chose seeking happiness over following Jesus. And we're all on a happiness quest. We are. And that's okay. We're going to talk about that next week. Because God wants us happy. So we're all on a happiness quest, and this is what I know about you. You will not do something that makes you unhappy for very long. Unless you're very rare. I know some couples that are unhappy to stay together <laughs> for several reasons, but uh, uh, if you've got a job you hate, you've got to quit that job. You're going to find another job. You, you're just not going to keep working there. If you're in a relationship that you hate, you're, if you can't fix it, you're going to get out of that relationship. Even if you volunteered for something or in some kind of sports. Uh, some of my grandkids play sports for a while and then they, they stop. Or a musical instrument or whatever it might be. If you're not happy, you're not going to continue to do it. But the reality is God provides the way to happiness. So if you're resisting God, you're resisting happiness. We don't usually think about it that way, but that's true. Again, you think back to that greatest regrets you might have. Almost universally, 100%, <laughs> they are relational. Now, real quickly here at the end, we wanna, I'm going to speak about something else we need to talk about. It's kind of a downer, so I'll kind of warn you ahead of time. Here it is. <laughs> sin. Sin. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you can define sin the way the New Testament defines sin, separation from God. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about separation, but uh, missing the mark, not doing what God wants us to do, or doing what God doesn't want us to do, whatever you want to But if you're not a Jesus follower, you can use the broadest definition you want for this word sin. Whatever you think somebody shouldn't do. So, if you don't think people should kill somebody, then you can make categorize that as sin. Uh, if you don't think people should, you know, think of your daughter or your, or your sister, or there are certain things you wouldn't want a guy to do with them, you shouldn't do, you consider that sin. Um, if you're a Ravens fan, then somebody shouldn't follow the Redskins or the Steelers or vice versa, right? Uh, whatever you want to call, categorize, something somebody shouldn't do. That's sin, okay? So, what about sin? Sin separates. Now, here we go. Sin separates how? Or with what? Or with who? Well, it separates you from others. It separates you from others. When we do the ought nots, it just causes conflict in our relationships. Or when we don't do the do's. You know, if we're not loving and kind and generous and such. It, so it erodes our happiness. Erodes our peace. It erodes our relationships, right? Sin separates us from others. Also, sin separates you from God. Now, this is really misunderstood. We think, okay, God has these rules, and I break the rules, so God's mad at me, and it separates us. No, 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 no. 
Let me take a minute here and explain why it separates you from God. <clears throat> I have four kids. i got about ten grandkids. Let me use one of my grandkids, all right? Let me use my youngest one, all right? If you abuse, mistreat, hurt my granddaughter, Key, Kirsten, and then you come to, say, to me and say, but we're okay, right? I'm going to tell you what. Uh-uh. We're not okay. You just hurt somebody I love dearly, right? Most people know John 3:16 for God's to love church people, right? God loved the good people. God loves all the people. It says world, but it means all the people. So, when you and I sin or, and or mistreat someone, whoever it is, it's somebody God loves. So and then we're going to say, okay, God, we okay? Not okay. You just mistreated somebody God loves. So it separates us from God. And lastly, maybe most importantly, it separates you from yourself. From yourself. Fill in this phrase. If I ever, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Now, you don't say it. Don't tell me what it is. <laughs> but whatever that is, can't look at myself in the mirror. It separates you from yourself. It's sin. However you want to define it. Some of you are carrying that secret. And it's separating you from God, maybe from others. Definitely from yourself. So quickly here, let's finish up. Sin separates by substituting. We don't usually think about this way, but it does. Pleasure for fulfillment. Things for people. Images for intimacy. The now for the better later. So sin makes you a happy promise. Sin can't keep, right? So that's going to make you happy. But no, it's causing separation. Just the opposite. Another way to say it is sin's not your friend, is it? Sin's not your friend. Let me ask you a simple question. Is your life better because of sin? Don't think so. But finish up with one final verse. This is written by uh, the brother of Jesus, James. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother? Um, hey, James, why aren't you more like your bigger brother? Ah, <laughs> impossible. Now, I thought about it the other way. You know, my, I have a brother two years younger than me. He used to aggravate me to death. Hey, Jesus wouldn't have done that, would he? That would have been cool. But anyway, he wasn't a Jesus follower while Jesus was alive. But when did he become a Jesus follower? When Jesus rose from the dead. Hey, bro, you might be perfect, but hey, if you can rise from the dead, I'm a believer. So here's something he wrote, and then we'll be finished. These desires, we all have these desires, okay? Desire to be happy that may not be things that bring us happiness. Give birth to sinful actions. Now, the birth of my kids and grandkids on the happiest days of our lives, for you folks too, right? <clears throat> but think about sin as being born. And so we treat it like a newborn. We, we coddle it and we 
protect it and we take care of it. And then, so what happens? Just like our newborn children, it grows. And when sin is allowed to grow, mature, become an adult, what's it do? It brings death. Death means separation. We've all experienced this. Doesn't it break your heart when you see somebody do this? Especially someone you really care about. Going down the wrong path, we sometimes say. Choose it, making bad choices, doing something, seeking happiness, but in the, all the wrong places, so to speak. So let's summarize, and then we'll have one final song let you guys go. Here we go. And first, we'll go through these real quick. Since happy is about who, not what. Next. And since happy people are at peace with themselves, others, and possibly God. And since sin undermines peace by separating and by substituting. And since Jesus valued and prioritized peace with God and ourselves and others. And since you want to be happy, shouldn't it be a priority to make peace with God? And we invite you to do that this morning. And then we're going to be going, next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what makes you happy. Please join us. Please invite other people. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the promises of your desire to connect with us, bring peace to us, bring happiness to us. Not the uh, short-term peace, but deeper peace and happiness and fulfillment. And God, we pray for anybody here that's not a Jesus follower, that they would accept your invitation to not be just your creation, but one of your children by entering into a, a personal relationship, have their sins forgiven. Uh, help them understand it's not about what they do, but about who connecting with you. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' Jesus' name, amen.